Hello everyone, welcome to Tech Careers in the New, the new podcast series presented by Accenture. I'm your host, Shiladitya Mukhopadhyay. In this podcast series, we'll get you the latest and greatest in the world of technology that's shaping the future of business as we know it. We're talking intelligent platforms, cloud, AI, blockchain, extended reality, and a whole lot more. Every fortnight on Wednesdays, we'll have for you a hot topic with expert speakers from Accenture, talking about top trends in the space, how these are changing the world and creating growth across industries. And more importantly, we'll tell you how you can learn more, build your skills and expertise to grow and stay relevant in your career. So we're here today to talk about intelligent automation. This might sound like something which is easily explained, but the ability we have today with technology around us to automate things, to sort of make our lives easier, to make everything we do more efficient, to automate not just things we do in our life every day, like products and services we use, but also for business. There's a lot of automation to go around. So what really is intelligent automation today and how does it stand? Is it just the fact that I can punch a few buttons on my phone and a cab arrives? Or is it as simple as me saying, instead of having to write a letter, I can send an email. There's so much more layers to what automation means today and what it used to mean maybe a decade ago or maybe even many decades ago when it all you know started. So everything we're doing as a technology-driven civilization today is towards automation. But how does this all come together? What's the cutting edge of automation today? And of course, what is all the intelligence that we're putting into it, right? And what does this mean for us? What does it mean for people who are skilled in this domain or people who are building careers in this domain? Let's talk to some experts and find out just about that. So I'm here with Kaushik Vijay Raghavan, Managing Director, Automation and AI, and Aditi Kulkarni, Managing Director, Automation, Agile and DevOps at Accenture to talk about just this. Welcome to the show, Aditi and Kaushik. Thank you so much for being here. I would love to have uh, both of you maybe give us a quick introduction about yourselves and your background because before we dive into this topic of intelligent automation and what it entails, uh, it would be great to know, uh, you know how you both have arrived at what you do in this space. Hi, everyone. Glad to be on this show. I'm Aditi Kulkarni. I have been in the IT industry for the last 21 years and 17 years with Accenture. I've played various roles uh, within Accenture. Uh, all of those roles have been working along with my clients. I love to work along with clients in a collaborative way. I've helped them in their transformation journey to digital, transformation journey from their traditional methods like waterfall to new methods like agile and safe, DevOps transformation. In my current role, I'm leading automation, agile, and DevOps practice within the Accenture Technology Center in India, and also uh, leading the my wizard intelligent platform development engineering and deployments for our clients. Lovely. Great. Hi everyone. I'm Kaushik. I do three things at Accenture. I'm the global lead for our uh, my wizard platform, which is an intelligent automation platform. I also uh, focus on building automation specialist skills around automation architects and engineers, which we will talk about during the day. And I work with some of our large clients in implementing the automation transformation for them. Overall, over 18 years of uh, IT experience, 16 of which have been with Accenture. I played a wide uh, range of roles, starting from being a developer, business analyst, an architect for most part of my career. 
working with clients in products, health, etc. And now bringing it all together to drive automation with working with our clients. Lovely. Thank you so much. In fact, uh, that actually brings me to the, you know, the first part of how we go down this conversation of intelligent automation as to what really is the background of the core field that we're talking about today. Both of you have had, uh, of course, you know, uh, various uh, roles in technology, which have led to what you're doing today. But could you give us, uh, Diti, maybe a history of the tech in general? Like, what does automation mean? Everything from, you know, Automating the most simplest of tasks in my head sounds like automation, right? So what does uh, this industry really represent and where has it come from? If you could go way back and tell us. So automation is not new. It started somewhere in the 18th century in the manufacturing industry, uh, trying to automate every repetitive task on the production floor. But it's not limited to manufacturing. All industries are driving automation and IT is no different. If we focus our attention on IT, Even the trends within IT have changed over the past two decades. When I started my career, there were no cell phones. In my school and college days, we used to be dependent on the landline phones. But today we cannot live without smartphone. That's a technology change. But with the technology change, the way we help our clients drive automation, intelligent automation is also changing. So if I go a decade back when I started my career, our clients, the challenges that they used to face were more of disintegrated technologies or platforms. Uh, lack of processes, lack of discipline and rigor in adhering to those. So we had to help our clients industrialize. And the focus was more on reducing the cost by doing outsourcing. Now we are moved from that phase to today. Today, the clients are on the digital transformation journey. Not everybody is at the end of the journey. They're somewhere in between. While they are on this journey, the automation trends are very different. They ask us whether they can do 100% automation on their operations. They ask us whether they can go from reactive to proactive, but today the ask is more to go to predictive, Mm -hmm. completely eliminate any disruption from happening in future. The ask is 100% automation, specialization in this career, and those are the trends that we are helping our clients with. So the the entire uh, way of looking towards automation has changed and evolved, and it's also changing the way we will do our operations and support for our clients in future. All right. Uh, do you want to add anything to that, Kaush? Yeah, uh, just to add to what Aditi said, um, if you look at automation today, traditionally, when we think automation, we think of cost, we mm-hmm. think of um, effort reduction, more productivity and so on. Now, the benefits that our clients look for from automation have broadened significantly. Now, our mm-hmm. clients don't just look at that. You know, Some of the first things that you hear is, can I use automation to make my user experience better? Right. Can I use automation to drive speed? Can I get that business changing transformation out in the market in a year versus two years? Mm -hmm. That's a big ask. How can I make, uh, you know, my IT or my systems or my business more agile, more flexible? How do I get better products out into the market? So uh, the ask is very different. The shift is also, uh, you know, uh, moving from, you know, reactively responding to more proactive and predictive work like uh, what Aditi just spoke about. And secondly, a decade back, automation was very script-focused, automation of um, repeated tasks, etc. Now the kind of technologies that are available at our disposal is much wider. Mm-hmm. We, are, we have a wide range of technologies from RPA, bots, chatbots, virtual agent, machine learning, deep learning, 
very advanced analytics predictors, etc., all of which we now uh, apply into the automation mix. Mm-hmm. And it has moved from, you know, just tool-based automation to having AI at the core. AI is, uh, you know, the emergence of AI, uh, you know, and uh, deeper technologies in AI at the center of automation is a big game changer. That's one of the reasons why they look for 100% uh, automation at scale in a sustainable way and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming extremely business-driven. It's no longer about how you automate IT or, you know, some siloed processes. It's about how you use automation to achieve your business outcomes. Right. In fact, uh, like both of you mentioned, right? The shift today, uh, which brings me to my next question, right? Where is this tech today? Where is this, not just the tech or rather this domain today is what you mentioned, focused about the outcome. Automation, I mean, organizations are aligning uh, whatever practices of automation they implement to business outcomes or some KPIs that they understand as their driver. So uh, let me ask you, what are the, you know, actual applications uh, in the industry today uh, of all of these things? Automation has generally, it has evolved from being one other thing that firms do to being very central to their business. And it's a very broad area. Going back to the phone call example that Aditi made, I can actually say that making a phone call to you in Mumbai is automation because I don't have to travel all the way right. and speak to you. I have right. uh, made that entire uh, you know communication more effective. But uh, you know, coming back to the reality of automation today, you see it applied in four broad areas. Mm-hmm. First, there is automation around uh, what we call products and services. This is the part of automation that is most visible to us. Mm-hmm. So think of, for example, how we used to shop for Diwali mm-hmm. uh, 10 years back. We would go all the way to a store, go store by store, look for clothes, you know, and, you know, check out the sizes and so on. And now you can all do it from your mobile phone. Yeah. Or think of how you hail a cab today. Yeah. Right? Book a taxi in advance, go wait for a rig versus just using an Uber or an Ola or a Lyft, depending yeah. on where you are. So these are direct end customer facing automation where you are actually designing systems to automate to make your end customer experience better. Right. So that's one, uh, uh, that's one category of it. The second part of it is what we call automation for businesses. So each of these businesses have their underlying processes. They have their, say, order management, procurement, call handling, and many more HR, finance functions, and so on. So uh, each of these business processes has a lot of scope for automation in terms of bringing in automation to make the processes more efficient, cheaper, more effective, accurate, etc. So that's around automation for businesses. Then there is automation for IT. This is how do you make the underlying IT systems more Mm. reliable, easier to operate, Uh, how you provide an overall uh, better user experience. So for example, I don't want to have a buggy software. Uh, having a you know better user experience with uh, you know my mobile app makes a big difference in terms of the business and so on. Mm-hmm. How do I you know use making systems more uh, uh, cheaper to maintain, to develop, get development out faster, uh, execute projects faster, etc. That's uh, you know automation around IT. And then finally, the the last one is what I would call it is automation around transformative services. Now, like Aditi mentioned, every business is changing. So think, you know, moving from traditional retail business to a completely web-based, mobile-based, yeah. or you can even think, you know, an, uh, an Echo or Alexa-based oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. transaction. That means that 
the business has to change the underlying business processes have to change the underlying technologies have to change you you can no longer operate that out of a mainframe for example yeah. it has to be completely into digital you know using blockchain ai and Actually. so that whole transformation uh, is something an organization goes through and automation is right at the heart of it how do i get that transformation out faster doing it in time in a very predictable way make, uh, getting it out with the best possible quality so that's the other area of automation and you know there are many more so these are sure. you know broad categories i would Sure. In fact, uh, that also brings me to maybe ask you, Aditi. Given the background that both of you have, and of course the extensive experience in Accenture uh, in this domain, could you tell us a little bit more about what Accenture does in this space, and maybe elaborate with some real-world examples of, uh, you know, case studies as well? So Accenture has been consistently ranked as number one by the industry analyst, and we have been recognized for our holistic strategy on automation. the investments that we do and the innovations that we have in this space my wizard is our flagship intelligent automation platform which has helped our clients drive their entire automation journey and help them take a big leap on speed agility efficiency experience and cost optimization now we apply three key principles in intelligent automations helping our clients the first is help them move from the reactive to proactive and from proactive to get predictive mm-hmm. for examples the clients or organizations want to predict when a disruption will happen and based on that lead time that they have got prevent this disruption from completely occurring so that's the move towards predictive the second thing is analytics and ai is at the core or heart of software engineering practices not only the new applications are being designed using ai but the entire software engineering methodology is changing and ai is getting infused at every step in this there is a human plus machine interaction using technologies like chatbots virtual agents that koshik talked about earlier and that's driving more efficiency so we are not replacing humans but we are augmenting their tasks with these virtual agents who can do these much more faster and efficient third the ready to use and self service ai capabilities is needed to have a acceleration of automation and drive the values much faster also what is important is driving automation from a business angle looking at what are the business priorities what are the business key performance indicators and from there then get down to the it layers of application and infrastructure mm-hmm. now let me give you a few examples of how we have been helping our clients moving them through this automation transformation journey so one of the leading banks uh, that we worked with they were on their digital transformation journey uh, organizational program but while they were doing this their loan processing time had increased to 12 days 12 business days which is quite high even from industry standards for various reasons mm-hmm. now when we partnered with them we did a complete assessment of what was going wrong both from a business perspective as well as from an it perspective in their applications and the infrastructure space we applied complete touchless automated monitoring and this along with a self healing concept of resolving their tickets and incidents reduced the turnaround time for their incidents on the it side what was also important was to look from a business angle why the loan processing processes were taking much longer time so we worked collaboratively with the clients to optimize that process and make it much leaner and then we applied robotic process automation on top of it now this entire intelligent automation was orchestrated by my wizard and okay. this has helped them reduce their loan processing time from 12 days to 3 days so this is how the automation is not just at the application infrastructure layer 
but it's driven from a business priority perspective, driving more outcomes and value to the clients. So this is the change that the platform, MyWizard, and our work along with our clients is helping them achieve their business outcomes. Oh. You like to add a few examples? Sure. I've been talking about retail. So let me uh, take you through an uh, interesting example of where we used intelligent automation in the retail space to make a big difference. So this is for a large retail client where they had an ongoing problem where their uh, customer experience was getting affected across their stores due to failures in scanners that they use. So just imagine in a retail store, you are standing in a long queue. Right. Uh, you get an option of, you know, you can scan, you know, the products yourself. Mm-hmm. But when the moment a scanner fails, you are uh, being brought straight to the queue. Yeah. And then if a scanner fails there, you are you know stuck in a long queue or you have shift queues. It causes a lot of frustration there. So for them, it was very important to keep this engagement high. So that's where we, uh, they brought us in. And what we did is we, we went in, we did an overall assessment of, uh, you know, what the problem was, where we could, uh, you know, um, prevent it, where we can use automation, etc. And here we resorted to AI as well as Internet of Things. What we realized is if we can predict a failure before it occurs, just monitor all the devices, use the technology that's available to use signals from the scanners, monitor them constantly. And over time, start predicting when a scanner is going to fail before the failure occurs. So what used to happen earlier was a scanner fails, they raise a ticket, the tech team, then has to come into the store and the whole process would take two to three days. Yeah. And then yeah. you are, uh, you know, uh, it causes a problem. Here, we were predicting the issues before they occur. We were, we would locate the score, uh, the store, point it to the uh, tech team. where So they go and remediate the devices before the problem occurs. And more so, just think of a large retail store. It will actually pinpoint the exact scanner that fails on a map. Yeah. So they just come in there, uh, remediated. So most occasions, the uh, devices were uh, getting fixed or replaced before the problem occurs. Nice. And the, uh, you know, the when we looked at the, when they surveyed the customer satisfaction, it had increased tenfold. Yeah. And all of the, this was using AI from the MyWizard platform, customized and adapted to, you know, this particular uh, problem area. And a very good, one of the best examples of uh, going from reactive fixes to proactive fixes where you monitor them and then predicting the issues and then improving the uh, user experience significantly. Wow. Interesting to see that there is so much happening in this space and a lot of the things which you spoke about are actually a combination of so much tech. You probably need, you know, the your knowledge base for, you know, implementing a project like the ones you mentioned involves so many disciplines in in each case. So the job of someone in this space is essentially to sort of be very cross-functional or, you know, uh, across multiple uh, skill sets, uh, wouldn't you say? Like, what is the uh, future uh, of a technology or, or a skill set like this? What is the future of a domain as such? What's holding it back uh, in terms of, know what next so there are a couple of things happening in this industry one the technology is exploding at a very fast rate the new technologies like 5g blockchain ai cloud iot virtual reality they are going to change the game and new business opportunities are coming up now organizations are going to apply these technologies not individually but a combination of them and that gives rise to many new business opportunities and business innovations 
while the technology is exploding and the businesses are evolving, the way applications and systems get designed in future is also changing. So the future applications are going to have three characteristics. One, they will be boundaryless. By boundaryless, I mean the gap between the infrastructure, applications, businesses, systems, people is blurring and they are all coming together. Second, the future systems are going to be adaptable, meaning they will be able to look at the entire data themselves, self-learn, derive inferences and recommendations from that data and self-adapt. The third is they will be radically human. So it's a combination of human plus machine interaction driving the highest level of efficiency in the systems. Now, these future systems also require a different way of automation to manage them, not just develop them, but also operate them in future. So the ecosystem of automation of future needs to be such that it can scale at the organization level holistically and very easily. So we need to have an automation architecture and platform which can be self-provisioned. It should be auto-scalable. It should be auto-recoverable. It should self-learn and self-heal itself. These are the some of the trends of future where we have started designing our platforms. Now, Accenture platform, MyWizard Intelligent platform, today we are leveraging it for more than 8,000 engagements. We have about 300 assets, real-time integration assets coming together, both technology and industry. And there are more than 5,000 automation specialists that are helping our clients on the ground through their transformation journey. We are taking this platform further by applying uh, intelligent automation, analytics, and artificial intelligence at the core of the platform to support the future systems that I talked about. Wow. Typically, what we see from clients when they approach automation and to get, you know, why, you know large-scale benefits across the firm. First thing is uh, automation is actually very easy when done in pockets. It's usually a quick thing to do. It's easy to build a bot and it's easy to get quick results. But when you look at large-scale results that affect business outcomes, it needs a firm-wide strategy. Mm-hmm. Very often, you know, there is a tendency to get quick RPA, quick, you know, script, scripted results, etc. to prove them out. Mm-hmm. We need early thinking and, you know, strategizing to see how you can apply it, you know, firm-wide. So that's one. And a key challenge is, you know, how you work across the silos in a firm to, you know, uh, ensure that the automation cuts across. The second part of it is we keep talking about AI. Mm-hmm. A key to make AI work is data. It needs very careful investment in getting the right data in, the right quality of data, the right richness of data available. Because AI is all about, uh, you know, and machine learning is all about learning from data right. to, you know, replace what we've traditionally defined as business rules, right. data-driven logic. And so very often, the uh, you know, as we start the automation journey, we... Yeah, you know, we need to identify what gaps exist and work with our clients to improve their data strategy to get the right data in place for automation. Right. That's uh, second. And thirdly, to make it work, the people where you apply automation to need to accept it. So if you're applying a business process, there has to be acceptance of the automation right. solution. So change enablement, the right uh, providing the right coaching to the people on how you apply automation is, uh, is a key there as well. And... There's a fourth piece, which is, uh, you know, the you need to have the right technology and the right uh, tooling ecosystem on which you automate, which is another area we, uh, you know, help our clients with. And here's where, you know, using 
a combination of my wizard with some of the practices we have around automation provides that holistic approach to help our clients achieve these results great in fact uh, uh, if you could also extend this to uh, you know as an organization accenture uh, the my wizard platform all the things that put this in place what are the kind of uh, actual careers in this space which uh, you know enable all of this to happen so uh, in today's world um, Automation is no longer an additional skill. Mm-hmm. Today, it is sufficiently vast. There's so much, you know, technologies and skills in play that it, it requires specialization. We see automation as a specialist skills. And let me take you through some examples of where you need these specialists. So a first step to actually start automation is you need to know what to automate. Yeah. Where you have the business case. So it requires people who understand the underlying business processes, IT processes, using analytics to find out what to automate, how to automate it in a way that gets you the results. So here there is a strong need for process architects, uh, analytics experts, uh, skills like Six Six Sigma coaches, etc. who who can bring that in. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, you need the right solutions on how to automate. How do I, you know, uh, automate your processes, the workflows or your user experience the right way? Applying uh, good knowledge of the client system, available technologies to automate, strong knowledge of AI, bots, etc. And tie this solution together. So that's where, you know, uh, just like we have architects in technology, we call them automation architects. So these are specialists who craft and implement these solutions. And once you do that, you actually need the engineers, the guys who will do the cool stuff, building the bots, building the, uh, you know, uh, doing the machine learning parts of it, doing the integrations you need, the installation you need to see this come to life. And this requires, again, a wide range of engineering skills from RPA, machine learning, analytics, data, and so on. And finally, there are are the uh, automation coaches who actually make sure that the consumers of the auto- yeah. automation accept it. So they, they coach, you know, the businesses, the IT users, our clients, our own projects, etc. to adopt the automation that we bring in so that it, you, you get the results that are needed. And finally, you know, these roles evolve into what we call as the automation champions or automation directors who actually help our clients define, you know, their overall automation transformation strategy, how the firm should approach it and so on. So plenty of roles out there. And uh, this is an area where we heavily invest in. And we also look for, you know, deep skills in this area from the field. Yeah. So what what are some other, I would say, tips, you know, for folks in looking to start uh, their career in this space? I mean, there's obviously so much vast opportunity. So what kind of tips would you want to leave to our listeners here? It's a very interesting space. I think the first thing people have to remember is it's an automation first culture. Don't Look at implementing or performing an activity which is just given to you as a responsibility. But think out of the box and try to do something different. Optimize it and let it be the highest degree of efficiency it's possible. So use design thinking approaches to do more of an automation first culture thinking. The second tip I would say is uh, you have to continuously learn. Uh, Automation does require a lot of skills to come together. Like Kaushik talked about, you need RPA skills, you need artificial intelligence skills, you need DevSecOps skills, you will need agile skills, the new method skills and the technologies as well. 
Now, while that is happening, it's difficult. It's not so easy to adopt all the skills at the same time. You'll have to learn one at a time. Yeah. Uh, but that continuous learning is important. So how you want to learn is up to you. You can prioritize yourself. You can do online courses, digital trainings, a lot of different ways of learning which are available. Pick and choose and learn at your pace, but let the pace be quite fast. I'll leave you with those two tips. The third is more, everybody knows, Google is always there. There are many other ways of also finding out more information and what's happening latest. Uh, be aware of the new trends and technologies and that will help you get into the space. And we do offer a lot of programs for our people to specialize in this career. It's a dedicated career path that we have where people can grow, learn and also help our clients move to the new. I will add... Um be hands-on, explore. There's a wide range of skills out there. You may not try it at work, but keep exploring what's out there. Right. While it's important to learn, it's equally important to unlearn in the automation space. You'll have to constantly move ahead. And then added to that, I think the most important tip that's helped me is uh, be bold and change, challenge the status quo. Automation is all about challenging what are accepted ways of working and coming up with ways of doing them differently. So ask the bold questions, challenge what exists, and then, you know, that helps you generate the ideas you need to, you know, automate in a way that makes a difference. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, this was really enlightening. And I hope this podcast itself uh, to our listeners has sort of started that journey of uh, understanding uh, along the lab for the topic of intelligent automation. Thank you, Aditi. Thank you, Kaushik. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you so much, Kaushik and Aditi. This was a very interesting conversation. I think the real-world examples and implementations of automation given by you were one of the most important things that we discussed. We also did cover a lot today, starting with some really fascinating case studies, Accenture's role in the space, and of course, what's next for intelligent automation in the future. Concluding, of course, with the career opportunities, especially since automation has become such an integral part of so many industries today. There are a lot of things that will change as humans adopt intelligent automation more and more. I hope everyone had a great time listening and I'm hoping that a lot of people are inspired to take up automation as a space for their professional careers. To everyone else listening in, if you're excited about what we discussed here today and if you're interested in exploring careers with Accenture, check out the open positions at careers.accenture.com. On the next episode, we talk data. Until then, I'm your host Shiladitya on Tech Careers in the New, the podcast series presented by Accenture. Hello everyone, I'm Zane. I'm Avanti. And welcome back to a brand new season of Marvel's Lost and Found. A show on mental health and its stigma and we're kind of making it an open conversation. Pretty much, yeah. And we're really, really excited about this season because we have a number of guests on and we'll be talking about things like addiction. Grief. Children and mental health. Exactly, children and mental health. And our listeners have also written in yeah, this time. Yes, and, and we thank- have an episode dedicated to that. Yes, and guys, thank you so much for writing and we really, really appreciate it. And we're really excited for you to tune in on Tuesdays on the IVM website or app or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can find Marbles Lost and Found on Facebook or you can find Marbles Lost and Found on Instagram as well. Uh, the handle being Marbles Podcast India. Can't wait for you to tune in. Thank you very much. See you guys soon. Janice, what do you think couples did before TV was invented? I don't know, go for walks on the beach, long drives, fancy dinners, have more sex maybe? But what did we do when we decided to move in together? We debated between the Chromecast and the Fire Stick. 
We gave up on sleeping early so we could stay up watching true crime shows. We got ourselves three cat babies. And basically became the cutest couch potatoes around. Okay then. <laughs> In case you guys still haven't got it, we are a TV crazy Netflix loving binge watching Mr and Mrs. I'm Anirudh Kuha. I'm Janice Quera. And if like us you snort TV for breakfast, lunch and dinner, this is the podcast for you. Tune in every Thursday on the IVM podcast app or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. This is Mr and Mrs Binge Watch. Binge Watch.